Tell me, do we have time for another number? Oh, I think so, Jimmy. What tune do you have in mind? back listeners to another episode of drinking matters my name is brian and with me today a returning guest renee welcome renee thank hey. you for coming back uh this time we're not in the uh perfect setup that is the uh what is it the, the comic book store so no, you know yeah. <laughs> audio is going to be just <laughs> a little bit weird just a little bit weird um, no, but you know what? Just a little bit. We'll make do. You're on your phone. Yeah. I'm on, you know, my computer. So we're trying to make do with what we got here, you know, especially with everything yeah. going on. Just in case. Just in case it's something <laughs> like that. This might be the new norm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, pretty much, right? Um, no, but Renee, thank you so much for uh, coming back on to the uh, to the podcast. I really appreciate you coming back on. Um, so. <laughs> I mean, we I, at this point, dude, we see each other every week because we're still running uh, your podcast as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's 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 busy, man. It's busy, but we make do because we enjoy this. Um, but I, I brought you back on because a topic came to mind that was kind of – it hit me, and I was just like, you know what? I feel like you and I have spoken about this outside. Uh, we can, you know, we I think we mentioned it partially in Keeping Up With The Nerds Variety Hour, but we really didn't tackle it. Yeah, we, yeah. Yeah, and this is, uh, it's a multi-layered topic. I'm trying to find the correct words to explain it, but we're basically going to be tackling, you know, social issues and social topics within nerd mm -hmm. culture. Um, this has to do with uh, the way gender is being used in, you know, gaming, comic books, uh, nerdy TV shows and stories, uh, mental awareness or mental health issues, um, you know, sexuality, ethnicity, culture, every aspect that, you know, we have to deal with on a daily, uh, daily basis. Uh, we want to try to discuss this and kind of give you our own perspective of what we think. Um, I personally wanted to bring it on my podcast because it is very. I, we, I want to try to make it as casual as possible. Um, I think mm -hmm. it's very. I think it's very important to uh, establish before we move on that these are pretty much going to be our opinions and our takes on them. Um, by no means are we any way representing anything that we're going to be talking about. I want to handle this with the utmost care and respect, uh, especially you know, knowing that there are people out there that are going through. Uh, certain things, uh, certain things, certain issues, certain illnesses, you know, uh, that are we are going to mention in this podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Definitely. so Definitely. yeah, so we want to make sure that we are going to be very cautious discussing this. Um, if Renee's audio is a little bit low, he is on the phone with me, and that's how we are managing to capture this. So I do apologize to listeners if it becomes a little bit muffled. I tried my best to try to work around with the audio. I, I'm doing what I can, guys, <laughs> with what we got here. So, you know, yeah. bear with me. Even right now, I'm still getting some spikes on my side of the audio. So if there's a boom, I apologize for that. I don't know what to do. I'm trying to do what I can. So thank you, guys. Uh, <laughs> Renee, again, thank you for showing up. Are we ready to dive into this topic? Let's do it. All right. Drinks at hand, comfy in our own places. We're pretending we're at the bar. We're drinking. You've got your water. I've got my beer on here. Uh -huh. Let's do this. All right. So, uh, the first thing I do want to talk about, and I did give you a little bit of like a heads up of pretty much how I wanted to approach this. We're going to be approaching this on three different 
we're going to split this up into three different topics. So pretty much we want to handle, you know, gender usage within nerd culture. Then we'll move on to mental uh, health issues and illnesses and awarenesses and sexuality. And then the last point will be ethnicity and culture. We're not grouping them necessarily because they're any way related to each other. It feels we're, I pretty much wanted to group this conversation this way because I feel like we can kind of tackle the topics together. Not because they're related to one another, but because I feel like it's easier to just kind of have a flow of conversation here. Um, so, but again, no means any relations to anything. This is just me trying to organize it in the best possible way to structure this podcast in an organized manner. So just in case anyone gets offended by it, I do apologize, but that is pretty much how I want to approach this. Again, to have an organized conversation between the two of us. So let's go ahead and start with gender usage in nerd culture. Um, I pretty much brought this up, and I'll, 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 I want to hear your side of the story, but I pretty much started thinking about this, Renee, uh, because of the Ubisoft event that just wrapped mm -hmm. up a couple days ago prior to this recording. I think I told you about it when we first started recording the episode last week. Um, but they pretty much showcased Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and then they kind of did little interviews here and there with IGN and GameSpot. And one of the big topics at hand was that Valhalla... Or actually, before I go on, are you familiar with the Assassin's Creed franchise? I do know of it, yes. Have you, not, have you played any of the games? I've played some, but not a lot to say that I'm like an expert. But I do consider like a casual fan. Which ones have you played, if you don't mind me asking? Oh yeah, I've played the second one. I okay. played, I think it was uh, Syndicate, or was it Syndicate or Brotherhood, where you're in London, and you're Syndicate. playing like the brother and sister. So Syndic Syndicate, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and then I did watch, not play, but I watched like a playthrough through Odyssey, because I heard that one was really fun, and I wanted to see how it is. Okay. And I ended up watching most of it, but it was still really fun. Okay, okay, so you have some toes dipped into Odyssey, but you've played yeah. some of the older ones. Yeah. And Assassin's Creed Syndicate is the one for those that don't know. So Assassin's Creed, for the listeners that aren't familiar with it, is pretty much a franchise that is developed by Ubisoft. And it has to do with uh, the storytelling method pretty much has to do with a group of assassins fighting off another group of Templars, pretty much fighting within their own beliefs and stuff like that. And you pretty much take on a protagonist from different points of time. Uh, the first one was Altair during the Crusades. The second one was Ezio Aldatore uh, during the Renaissance. Then you have Connor, which is a pseudo name for the protagonist during the Revolutionary War in America. Uh, Assassin's Creed Black Flag, I cannot remember because I didn't finish that game. It actually was the game that kind of took me off the rails for a second on Assassin's Creed. Um, then you have Syndicate, which is London. So point being, you know, you have a franchise that pretty much visits... visits uh, important key points in world history, and you take on the role of a protagonist, usually an assassin, um, and it tells a story of pretty much that person going through either their own revelations or trying to fulfill the necessary goals of the order that exist at that time. Um, so you will know a little bit more about Odyssey than I do because I have not touched Odyssey at all. I just finished oh, Origins. Really? Yes, not at all. I finished Origins about... <laughs> A month ago as of recording today mm -hmm. and that's the only yeah. um that's the only thing that i have currently relevant uh within assassin's creed um so okay. going back to the to the showcase or the the ubisoft forward event that they just had uh ubisoft showcased valhalla and in the interviews one of the big key things that they really wanted to pressure or put on there was that valhalla like odyssey was going to have uh 
a protagonist that could be both male and female. The only exception is this. Whereas in Odyssey, you could play starting off as a male and then finish off finishing as a male or a female and then finishing the story off as a female, Valhalla will have you play as a male or a female and at any point throughout the story, you're able to switch genders. Mm. Yes. Cause Val okay. So that pretty much is the entire setup to this whole Valhalla situation. There are reasons as to uh, why they wanted to do it. Yeah. So there are reasons yeah. as to why they're, they're allowing this to happen. They've also said that you pretty much have multiple love interests of any gender in Valhalla. So you could be playing male and according to them, fall in love with a male as well, or be female and fall in love with a male, so on and so forth. And you can change at will. The reason as to why this is happening is because the animus, which is the device that's used to go back in time to read the DNA of the person to, you know, pretty much figure out what role the assassin did at that time, uh, has a new kind of thing that allows you to swap genders at a certain time. And according to the interview, um, this is really digging into the lore sci-fi aspect of the story. So there is a proper reason as to why. Um, as someone that kind of has seen some gameplay of Odyssey, have you noticed any different hitches of, or hitches or, you know, good things about having the ability to play either gender within the story? Well, yeah, the, it seems like, obviously it's like, you know, you get to do more stuff. I shouldn't say more, but like more opportunities. Like if you're the male, you know, you're a little bit stronger. You can do, sorry, sorry about that. That's all good. Yeah, as so that you get to, as a male, you know, you get to do more power stuff, you know, stronger things. While as the female, you can kind of be more athletic, more agility uh -huh. and stuff like that. That's what it seemed like as watching it, you know? That's pretty much what a syndicate did. Because from what I've mm -hmm. noticed, like I'll put it this way, I don't feel like there's any problem at all here. I haven't played Odyssey yet, so I really can't say that Odyssey did a really good job or really did a poor job at, you know, putting both genders in the game. But from the mm -hmm. bits and pieces that I played of Syndicate, I really appreciated the fact that you could play as, you know, because they were both twins. They're, you play assassins mm -hmm. that are twins. The male, uh, the brother pretty much had, you know, certain things that the sister couldn't do. The brother was more of a brawler. He was more hands-on, in-your-face, yeah. about to go fight in the street, street fighter kind of thing. Whereas the sister was more stealthy because she was more nimble and athletic than the, than the brother. Mm -hmm. That kind of stuff is really good. Because you integrate that system in there, and there's a reason as to why that exists. As for Odyssey, when I heard about that whole thing where you can either play as Alexos or Cassandra... My first initial thought hearing about this a couple of years back when it first released was, sure, you know, if it fits in the story, there's absolutely no problem whatsoever. But then people started getting mad that there was some sort of difference. Uh, in the playthrough that you watched, what did the person play? As Cassandra or Alexis? I think it was Cassandra, yeah, because they did more sneakers. Okay. So a friend of mine named Thad, I spoke to him uh couple days ago and I asked him because he played as Alexos and I asked him one of the big things that people are complaining about is that when you play as Alexos you notice that certain like sentences or certain ways of you know going on to a conversation really don't fit the narrative playing as the guy but when you play as mm -hmm. Cassandra the female the story fits a little bit better now yeah there's more to it there's more of a controversy to this in the sense that when they added uh, downloadable content to the game, 
the game kind of acted as if you needed to finish the story as Alexos because you conceived a kid. Even though you had, you know, the ability to play both genders. That's where I draw the problem. Because now you're kind of, it makes it seem like you're appealing to an audience that doesn't really want to play the game. And you gave up trying to tell a story just to appeal to an audience. That to me... Which is all... Yeah, sorry, go that, on. Yeah. No, I'm saying, that's interesting because I remember in the marketing of it, it was, they were mostly showing the guy, and then he's on the cover as well, too. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's what the marketing means. seemed like he would be, if he wanted to, I mean, either way, if you wanted to finish a story, you know, it could have been either one, but having where it's like, it's limited with the guy, and you have to play the woman to finish the story, essentially, to get... 100% in the storylines, yeah, that's kind of... It's a little bit off. Kind of messed up. Yeah. It's a little bit off, yeah. I'm going to play Odyssey because it is on sale at today, actually, because of the Ubisoft <laughs> event. So, yeah, so I have to buy it. Oh, it's yeah. like 12 bucks. <laughs> but that's oh. the thing is that you... Okay, so you could admit that the uh, that the advertisement for that game was... Alexos was on the front cover, right? And it was the one that was... was yeah. yeah. Okay. What if I told you that the novelization of Odyssey was told mm-hmm. through the perspective of Cassandra? Yeah, you see what I mean? It starts to look yeah. as if they couldn't figure out how to tell the narrative. There's nothing wrong. So, well, and I'm going to ask you this because I, I want to know what your, your take is on, you know, video gaming and having the ability to choose, you know, different genders to fit exactly the kind of person that maybe you want to play as. But, you know, when it comes down to this, this kind of method of implementing, you know, the ability to play as both male or female or either male or female, excuse me, they need to be, as a company, they need to be consistent. It's okay to offer the ability to have, the ability to play, you know, as a female, and the ability to play as a male. But when you have advertisement that features a male, and it makes it mm-hmm. seem like the story could be played only as a male, and it makes sense, more sense to play there, but then you feature the novelization, and you give away things, and the storyline doesn't fit the male aspect, and it's just Cassandra that pretty much fits it. And Cassandra is the way that you tell the story in the novelization because it's the most canon to the story. And they don't admit it. That's where you draw. The, that's where I draw the problem. That's where I kind of feel like the developers pretty much are trying to appeal to an audience, and not necessarily understanding what it means to play as both genders or having the ability to play. Mm-hmm. As both as you know, as either male or female, I have a problem yeah. with that. Do you kind of have an issue, or is this more of something that you're just kind of like, yeah, whatever? No, I mean, I'm all about equality on both sides mm-hmm. you know, for both men and women because you know we're all the same and stuff like that. And if you, as a company or a you know or a gaming company, just do one thing to market your your game so that you know that your fans will get it, but then to have it completely opposite of what you're trying to show your your fans, that's that's where it gets messed up for me. You know, that's where I'm kind of like, well, why did you market it as? Oh, yeah, you know, we could play as the guy as well too, and get the same story, and then also, oh yeah, you know, you could choose a female one, not just oh no, you have to be the female to get the whole the whole experience that mm-hmm. again you're paying for you know? it, yeah exactly exactly for me it just comes down to the storytelling 
if the yeah. developers wanted to tell a story, there shouldn't be a reason as to why they have to backtrack and make it fit everyone. You know, like, let's go back to our early childhood. You know, you used to play Pokemon, right? Oh, yeah. Remember, I think, was it silver and gold when they allowed you to choose either yeah. a boy or girl? Yeah, right? Like, that, that option mm -hmm. existed there, and that was great, in my opinion, because that basically meant that, you know, girls that wanted to play the game, and, and this, is, this doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, oh, well, now that there's a girl option, girls are allowed to play Pokemon. No, you could be anything, no. and you could literally play Pokemon. That doesn't matter. I used to play with, you know, there were girls that I knew in elementary school that used to play Pokemon. That was dope. I didn't see it any different. They played Pokemon. Great. But, you know, having that ability was cool because now you can yeah. kind of identify yourself with a character in the video game. So that's important to have in there. But when you have narrative lost because you're trying to please an audience that might not even play the game or it just doesn't fit your narrative, it destroys it, and you can't really reclaim it, that's where I have the issue, you know? So Assassin's Creed Valhalla is trying to allow this to happen again. The developers are trying to have this happen again. I, you know, don't feel comfortable judging them yet because I haven't seen it. And as far as I know, the story hasn't necessarily explained itself how you can adapt the animus, the tech, to allow gender swapping in the game to be a thing. They said that but, it's a th Yeah. They said that go it's ahead, they said that it's a thing. They said that it's existed in the game and they've hinted at it and it's won't destroy the lore, the science fiction lore of the game. If that's what they're saying, great. You know what? I can't say anything until I personally have played the game and seen it for myself. You know, I pay attention to that kind of stuff. I haven't seen it yet. I wouldn't be able to say. But if Odyssey, when I jump into Odyssey and I want to play as Alexos and I notice that the story is a little bit of a hiccup just because it doesn't necessarily fit the narrative and they could have just made the game follow Cassandra, I would have had no issue with that. As long as the story would have been done great, there was no need to have two different people. Just yeah. play it as one. I would not have mind playing a female assassin. If anything, that would have been super cool to play as a female assassin. I think the last male, female male, or female assassin in the Assassin's Creed franchise was one in Assassin's Creed Chronicles. No, Syndicate because of the twins. And then Assassin's Creed Chronicles yeah. China was one that you were, that you could play as a female. But if it doesn't destroy the narrative, they could have just done one. I don't see an issue with that. But a game that you can relate to, because you and I talk about it a lot, is Rainbow Six Siege. Yes. Okay. So, do you know about Twitch? About with, with Rainbow Six Siege or just Twitch in general? No, Rainbow Six Siege, the operator Twitch. Oh, Twitch. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, it's I'm, like the company, the streaming service? Yeah, and I was like, because you said Rainbow Six, you paused in Twitch. In Twitch, so, no, no, <laughs> the, yeah. the operator Twitch. The operator Twitch. Mm -hmm. I have played her. Uh, she's not my favorite oper operator, but I do know uh, my group does play with her a lot. Do you know anything about her, um, uh, her like bio, her, her lore? Yeah. No, 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 no. Go ahead. She though. is the only female to get into the. Um, the counter-terrorist uh, group in uh, the French counter-terrorist group, Gigna. Mm. Yeah. So oh, according, okay. yeah, according to Ubisoft, Gigna is male only in real life. 
but they implemented Twitch as the only female to be in that counter-terrorist unit. And it's kind of cool because I, I, I want to see if it's true or not. I have to refine. I have to see if I can find it again. But apparently, Gigna had no actual issue with that development. They said, yeah, it's perfectly fine because according to the bio, Twitch was actually pretty good, like one of the top candidates. And so that's why they let her in. So I'm like, yeah, that's kind of cool. So, again, if it fits into the lore and it's not forced, I never see an issue with gender usage in games especially now moving forward where the gaming audience and the nerd culture is massive it's growing you want to include more people for me personally though there has to be a right way there has to be the correct way where it doesn't feel like it's just being sold to people it has to have meaning yeah you know i mean do you have any other thoughts behind that no i mean i totally agree with you like you can't just just throw it in there just for you know, for the sake of, oh, this is going to appeal to everyone. But then at the, but then when you look at it, it just looks forced. It doesn't look like it's naturally, organically, this, these characters are in here, you know, uh-huh. and stuff like that. And that includes all characters in general as well, too, you know. And you, you want it to make sense. You don't want a person thrown in there mm-hmm. and just been like, oh, well, that's just appealing to a certain demographic. Uh-huh. That's why they're there. No, like you said, you want the narrative to make sense of why a person is there or why this person's here and stuff like that, you know. And if and, and if you can explain how normally they're not in that sort of category in the narrative, then that's even better as well, too. I'm going to ask you, as the comic book nerd that you are, you're a bigger comic book nerd yes. than I am. Massively, massively, massively. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I... I'll give you two examples of uh, gender uh, swaps that I've seen. Yes. Thor, L- uh, Lady Thor, I can't remember uh-huh. her name. Oh, it was uh, Jane Foster. Jane Foster, and mm-hmm. Ironheart. Yes. So, Jane Foster is one exception to that. That is a, that, that is, in a way of writing aspect, it turned out well. That's the thing. Wait, it turned and out well? It turned out well because everyone liked her at the end. It's weird because the thing was is though in the beginning it felt forced because when she was introduced it was right after a storyline called Original Sin where the wa- the Watcher died. I remember that. We find out who killed. Yeah, we can't, we find out who killed the Watcher and stuff like that. And then Thor was talking to Nick Fury and Nick Fury whispered something in and and then Thor automatically dropped the hammer and felt unworthy. Now that part was very weird because, you know, I get it though, like Thor Thor always needs that crisis of, you know, is he worthy and stuff like that. But Mm -hmm. the thing was is that when he wasn't worthy, he dropped the hammer and then it moved to a female character, which is aka Jay Foster, and she Uh healed the hammer and became the new mighty thor but then when that series came out the new mighty thor ryan uh aaron johnson aaron was it, is it oh jason aaron sorry jason aaron the writer openly said oh i just wrote original sin so i can bring in lady jane and foster it was kind of like yeah jane foster and i was just like wow really i was like that was the whole reason why you had this big story arc that spawned six different titles and just to have one character that you wanted to do. I'm going to chime like, in. It felt like... Go ahead, Glenn. Okay, I'm going to chime in and say that that kind of attitude 
hurts that kind of usage because original sin i remember reading original sin and thinking that it was a pretty decent arc in the marvel in the marvel universe i didn't have a problem with it but then if i like because i didn't know that that's what he said but after hearing that it just kind of makes it seem like why do you need an excuse to have something like that happen you know Mm -hmm. you could literally and then like okay so i from what i understand people have always had issues having any form of change happen to a major superhero we see this all the time it's like what was it spider-man for me for me spider-man uh and we'll get into this other we'll get into this uh, during the whole sexuality portion of the um of the podcast but um for me there was when uh who was it um andrew garfield spider-man came out on an interview yeah. and said, oh, well, why don't we make Spider-Man gay? The fans were pissed, pissed. Yeah. Because they were like, no, why are you going to alter a superhero that has already established himself in society? It doesn't make any sense. He's never mm-hmm. shown anything to show that he's gay. He's never reformatted yeah. himself. You know, there's no reason for him or for Garfield to essentially come out and say this sort of stuff. So any change, basically, the community doesn't take well. That's fine. So, yeah. yeah, I understand. Jane Foster all of a sudden taking Thor's hammer, you know, could upset some people. But Thor is, like, to me, a little bit of an exception because Thor isn't the man. Thor is whoever wields the hammer, from my understanding, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So there was a little yeah, bit no, of a leeway. So, so there was a bit of a pushback when it first came out, but then... When the comic series was coming out, it actually was pretty good. They first started it off as who is the new Thor and stuff, and I think it was revealed in, like, I think issue five, issue six of an end of an arc, and it was revealed to be Jane Foster. Uh-huh. And uh, that's what, I think that's what also brought in fans as well, too, because it was a other, it was another known Thor universe, Thor character that was well-known, you know, and it was kind of... It was it, it was kind of interesting how he did it, but uh-huh. I think that's why it won fans, most fans in the end, was because he wrote the character very interesting. Okay. From what I understand. Yeah. But did he need to do original sin to do that? No, it didn't. He, actually, rethinking about it, he could have just done it where, at the end of the original sin arc, maybe Thor doubted himself right then and there, and then maybe the hammer flew away you know, and then could have found the new wielder right then and there, and then boom, he could have introduced her at the end of the arc. So then you agree that having any sort of extended explanation as to why something like this happens is pretty much just a hurtful narrative uh, to just appeal to to something, right? Yeah, it's almost kind of like you're, like, thinking your fans are kind of dumb. Yeah. It's kind of insulting. It's very insulting at at that point. Okay. Now, besides her and besides Ironheart, the one that I mentioned, is there someone else that comes into yeah. mind that probably had a bit of a gender swap or anything like that recently? Because I'm trying to think, and those are the only two that come to mind. Yeah, yeah. Ironheart had the most pushback as well, too. Because Ironheart didn't make sense. Ironheart didn't make sense right away because it was just like, in the Invincible Iron Man arc before uh, Civil War II, he was talking to this girl that had... Tony Stark found this girl that was, I think she basically found one of old Tony's suits mm-hmm. and reformatted it into her own and stuff. It was like one of like the early mock suits. It was like a big bulky suit she transformed and stuff like that, which was cool. But at the same time, it was like, yeah, well, she doesn't seem, I don't know, great because they they made her really kind of like, basically like how Ray is, they made her 
super smart, super intelligent. She could do anything and stuff. They like gave that. her everything. They did it. Yeah, they gave her everything. No obstacle was um, a big deal compared to for this character, and I think that's what made certain fans kind of mad. Uh-huh. But at the same time, you, you know, if you think about it, Tony Stark's the same way too. He always looks, he always looks at the obstacle and always overcomes it regardless. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what fans were retaliating about certain other fans that liked Ironheart and stuff. But after a while, you know, I think the thing was is that Iron Man in general in the comic books is kind of boring if you look at it. Oh, yeah, um, I mean, the, no one picks up an yeah, Iron Man. I don't, has Iron Man had a single, like a, a self-issue? Not in a while. No, not in a while, that's the thing. Yeah. The I mean, comic book Iron Man, that, yeah, the comic books Iron Man is... They're, they're okay. I've read them. There are certain arcs, but the thing is, is that they're not uh, very impactful, like how Captain America was. Like I, we still sell Captain America. Oh, Captain America is a whole other issue, man. That's that's a separate. Yeah. That's an issue in itself. <laughs> yeah. But then, <laughs> but yeah, just Iron Man in general. He's better if you just see him in a team up, or in an Avengers and stuff like that. Gotcha. That's the thing. So that's why when. When Ironheart became her own comic, well, not a lot of people were picking it up. I don't think the comic comes out anymore. I not. I think now um, Ironheart is replaced by Rescue because now Rescue is coming out. Oh, is it? Yeah. Huh. I gotta. I gotta get back into that because I remember just kind of ignoring that whole transition afterwards when it didn't make any sense. Because I think what Tony Stark retired, but he was like a hologram because he didn't want to he 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 quit no he died at the end of civil war 2 that's right that's right okay he came back as a hologram yeah and that's when iron heart took over so yeah and then then oh go ahead so let me ask you this let me ask you this are you for or against in the comic book stuff because in the video games it's a little more free will since you are playing the characters you can choose either male or female in the comic books, it's more what we've been seeing more of like, well, this existing character has already existed this way. We're going to transition them over to something else. Are you okay with that fact in the comic book world? Or are you kind of more against it? It depends on how the character is brought in or how if it's basically it depends on the writers, honestly, at the end of the day. If I read a comic book that, you know, brings in a new gender swap for a major character organically or clever or in a way where it's like oh okay so this is what they're leading up to you uh-huh. know that's fine but don't just be like oh okay we're getting rid of this character and then bring in this who this completely new character that you've never heard of you've never seen but they're they're gonna be this new they're gonna be like the new the new captain america now mm-hmm. and i'm like why though? <laughs> like, like why does it yeah I don't know this character yeah it's i think it, 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 it at that point it's like why though i don't know about anything how come it could have been it could have it could have been a Peggy carter's nephew uh niece the if you're gonna choose a female captain america why not be uh, what's her name sharon carter uh-huh. you know it, it can't be her because yeah she's been around captain america I'm on that same boat with you. As long as it makes sense narratively, then yes, I've never had an issue with it. Because, look, as far as the community goes, the community is always going to feel like it's one-sided. It's, why the hell are you changing something that we are already super comfortable with just to fit an agenda because it feels political? The reality to me is that it isn't a political movement to change the gender, unless it's specifically 
you know, done with that intention where it's super obvious. And trust me, there are uh, there are writers out there that will say and have that agenda. They're like, you know what? We changed this person to be this thing because we want to make sure that we are politically correct. That's where you start losing the narrative aspect of these situations. So I didn't know that Jane Foster Thor was actually someone I've heard mixed reviews. And that's kind of what pushed me away from wanting to read it because afterwards I'm just kind of, I've never been a Thor fan. So that's mostly the reason why I didn't pick up Thor, but yeah, having you explain it afterwards, it's kind of like, okay, now I kind of want to give that a read because if it was written in a way that was really well done, then what's the problem with it? We already understand from like a nerd's perspective, you know, tearing apart Thor, Thor isn't the man, Thor is the hammer or is the person wielding the hammer because there's been different iterations of Thor. So we understand that Jane Foster could be Thor. There's no problem with that. But Iron Man, we know Iron Man as Tony Stark. And when you give someone else the mantle, you know, Ironheart, who basically was meant to replace Iron Man after he died, that's where you start to have a little bit of a problem because now you're trying to fill a void because Ironheart was what a, she was a young African-American female. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We have to be careful with that one because I don't know if she is African-American. I'd have to look it up, but she is a black young intern, right? Mm -hmm. Something along the lines of that, but essentially she was made to replace. I think she's like, yeah, she's like 17 and yeah. she's really young. She's mm. supposed to be like 18 or 17, yeah. And it just didn't fit. Like it, I remember reading her introduction I was just like, no, this is something just doesn't feel right. It 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 just needs to fill the narrative. So I am 100% with you on that. Um to move the topics along cuz I don't want to run short on yeah. time. Um we're going to move on to the mental health awareness illness uh you know, group um topic as well as sexuality. Um for oh you know what i'll even include this social social issues and social awareness as well um just because of this reason so in this segment here pretty much um it's important to kind of figure out because i feel like when we talk about like comic books and video games and things that we can relate to people that aren't really accustomed to looking into this community kind of look at us as just kind of being kids reading these books and stuff like that and we've talked about it because i think in one of the episodes of the comic book you recommended Watchmen, which I think I'm like a third of the way done of the book. I, I swear to you, I'm yeah. a third of the way done on that book. <laughs> um, but you told me like, yeah, it's like super relevant to its time. It was written in the 80s, but like right now it's really relevant with what's going on. Um, and the series is really good, the one that's on HBO. And I'm like, cool, okay. And yeah. so when I tell people about this, they're kind of like, oh, well, what the heck? Well, I thought Watchmen was just like the movie. It was supposed to be like superheroes and stuff. The one that came out, which one was it? Was a, it was a movie that came out like oh, 10 years yeah. ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah something like that. Yeah, so it's like, no, but then the more I started reading on it, it's like, oh shit, like this stuff actually kind of does relate to kind of like real, you know, situations, you know, current and past. And one of the things that I've kind of, the reason I really got into comic books and stuff like that, mm-hmm. uh, mainly as a kid, and this doesn't have to do with the mental, uh, mental illnesses and stuff like that, but we will talk about that. For me, the character and superhero I always related to was Peter Parker. And that was because Peter Parker was the kind of person that, you know, was pushed away from society, didn't have friends, um, was always the weird, nerdy kid that didn't socialize with anyone. He didn't really believe in himself. He didn't understand what it was to be someone with responsibilities until his uncle bed died. We all know the story at this point, but that's the person who I related to more now than ever. When people are starting to make mental illnesses and mental, you know, situations a little more apparent, um, 
I think it's important to kind of take a look at, you know, what we can see within nerd culture that allow people mm -hmm. to relate to these characters and stuff like that. Before we actually began the podcast, I think this is the one that you and I had a little bit more trouble trying to figure out how we would approach it. I Googled it, and apparently some of the Marvel superheroes that we know have mental issues that, or not mental issues, mental mental illnesses, I guess. Yeah. There's a correct term. I don't want to offend anyone by not saying it correctly. I think, but I, I think mental illnesses is a safer way. To mental illnesses is a safer way. So there were some of them have mental illnesses that I wasn't even aware of. Um, mm -hmm. The one that struck me as kind of like, oh, yeah, that's right. Moon Knight, he has a uh, disassociative yeah. identity disorder. I didn't yeah. even realize about that. I um, actually didn't either until realizing that I think like a year into knowing about Moon Knight and how basically he is a more, like people would tell me he's a more mental, uh, uh, basically a Batman with heavy mental illness. Mm -hmm. um, That's what someone told me how Moon Knight is. Batman is another example because Batman suffers from a similar, like a like a somewhat minor case of post traumatic stress disorder. Doesn't I would, he? I would think to say if anything, post traumatic stress and maybe a bit of a paranoia. Yeah, and then looking at the list here, oh paranoia, that's right, that's right. And then looking at the list here, Jessica Jones, and it hit me because I remember watching the Jessica Jones uh, TV series on Netflix, yeah. post traumatic yeah. stress disorder. She's also she also has that, and it didn't hit me until I saw it. I'm like, oh shoot, like that that actually makes sense. So it's kind of like, it's surprising, I guess is the word, to see all these superheroes that we all know, and then see them have these mental illnesses that we might not have even oh, been aware of. And it's interesting. Yeah. yeah sorry, sorry. Another go on. character. Just thinking about it right now. Think about it, and uh, the Punisher. The Punisher deals with PTSD as well, too. Oh. And they do show that very well on the show as well. Yep. So him con constantly remembering what happened, what he did in Iraq or, or Afghanistan, and then also remembering the death of his you know, family. Um, another one, Scarlet Witch, uh, Psychotic mm. Break, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just because oh, of her geez. emotional trauma. Jean Grey as well, too, because she had the phoenix in her. Like, it's very... She couldn't know... She didn't know what to do, remember? Every time she had the phoenix, she always had a bit of a mental problem, like, trying to figure out what's going on with it. Hank Pym with... What is it? What did it say here? Bipolar disorder? Oh, yeah. Because he was, uh... He was also, uh... Giant Man, but then Ant-Man, and then also he was the Yellow Jacket. So this is kind of interesting to see because a lot of these things you don't think about until someone mentions it. Just kind of similar to real-life scenarios. You know, when we think about people that suffer through depression and stuff like that, a lot of times you hear most people don't. Most people that go through it don't quite necessarily mention it until it's too late. One person that comes to yeah. mind is Robin Williams. Robin Williams went through mm -hmm. depression, and then he ended his life because he couldn't find an exit out of it. And it kind of goes alongside this as well, where, you know, a lot of these superheroes, and I'll, I'm going to say it, I'm, I'm guilty of it, I'm not necessarily really noticing a lot of these different things. But it's like, you see these superheroes, and they even go through their own things. Which is interesting, and also, I think, very, 
I guess I could say it's I can appreciate it just because we can find a little bit more of a relation to these people, these fictional characters. Yeah. And that's the thing that's very important when it comes to, you know, nerd culture is that sometimes when we read the comic books or play our video games and listen to the stories that, you know, we follow, um, you know, the people that we play or whatever, or we watch or we read, you want to have some sort of relation. Like I said, Peter Parker was mine. Uh, do you have one that you kind of closely resemble to or you look up to or, you know? For me, it always is a cross between like Spider-Man and then also, I think like, I think because I, I look at Spider-Man in a different way. For me, it's always because it's the Peter Parker aspect where he wants to kind of just like live a normal life with no worries, no, no, uh, no trouble. Uh-huh. Because he always wants to keep those things separate. He wants to keep Spider-Man separate and Peter Parker separate. And then when it comes to his Peter Parker life, he still wants to be normal. He still wants to have a relationship, wants to have a good job, but then it's it's just something always gets in the way. And that's mm-hmm. his Spider-Man life. And I think that's that's how I that's how I confine in Peter. That's how you can confine just, in those yeah. Yeah. In those in those characteristics for Peter Parker. That makes that he always always wants to just be a normal guy that makes sense that makes sense so mm-hmm. mental mental illnesses and awareness that's a, that's an interesting one to take a look at i think like i after this i might have to look into it a little bit more to kind of get a mm-hmm. an example uh, to kind of get a better understanding of this and uh what was it that you mentioned i don't know if this is going to fit into it before we move on to the sexuality aspect of this uh this portion mm-hmm. um of the segment, but uh, you mentioned Snowball and Safe Space were two other people. No, Snowflake and Safe Space. Snowflake and spa- Safe Space. Yes, yeah. I mentioned those characters because um, those are characters that are going to be new into the new comic book, I guess, they're trying to put out. It's called uh, New Warriors uh, for Marvel putting out these non binary SJ, and they're calling them. Non-binary SJWK. They actually labeled so, them that way. Yes. Okay. I didn't. <laughs> we looked this. Up, we looked this up like before yeah. we started because you mentioned it last week, and I'm like, okay, so let's let's look them up. It'd be interesting to talk about because mind mind you, this was mentioned. I think like I remember reading about this in March. So this was before everything was shut down, and so the comic book was supposed to originally was supposed to come out in April. But now they're taking they're, they're taking more time with it, and they're trying to put it out um, in a not better way, but make sure that you know when it does come out, it doesn't offend anyone. But I find that hard to believe right now, just by the name. How of the straightforward it is. It kind of is because you have a character named Safe Space, and they're already labeled as SJW superheroes. Okay. Non-binary. Yeah. I'm going to play devil's advocate and say that sometimes it's necessary for writers and publishers to be as straightforward with the audience as possible. Not for money's yeah. sakes, but because, I mean, look at what we just said. We we were very blind to the fact that some of these heroes that we grew up with had these mental illnesses that we weren't even aware of until it was explicitly mentioned to us. So, yeah, sure, why not? If a publisher or writer needs to be as direct as possible to its audiences and say, you know what, Snowflake and Safe, Snowflake and safe Space are two superheroes <laughs> that, you know, pretty much exhibit powers resembling to their name. They are yes. binary. 
Non-binary, right? Was it? Yeah. Non-binary. Yeah, they're non-binary. SJWs. Yes, that is that. that is an argument that we can put out there that they need to be as straightforward as possible to make sure that the audiences that it's trying to appeal that or that are trying to appeal to understand the direction it's heading towards. Now, yes. let me go back to the side that I let me go back to my natural side, <laughs> which isn't bad, but it's still like I really don't like this at all. And the Me reason, neither. I, okay, I'm on the same page. So go ahead. Don't worry, you're not alone. Okay. I feel the same way. The only reason I don't like this is because it's so direct that it almost feels like an insult. It almost feels as if the publishers really made the writers just go in and be like, "Look, we need a new audience that wants to pick up a comic book. We have all these people." that are arguing, saying that they can't relate to any superhero that exists in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, let us bring someone that they can as straightforward as possible. Insert the new orders. Yeah. It just doesn't feel right at all. And I am sorry, yeah. but it just doesn't. <laughs> the thing is, is that when you have these characters named Snowflake and Safe Space, you know, and they they are SJW superheroes. The thing is, is that it doesn't sound like these characters are going to be taken seriously. No. Just by their names alone, that's the thing, is because they're what their names are, are as well. I'm thinking, I'm thinking far into the future, and it's like these if these characters are these characters are not just going to stay in one book. These characters are going to span into the Marvel Universe because that's what the Marvel Universe, or at least Marvel Comics, wants to do. They mm -hmm. want to expand and have these characters interact with one another. Oh, they, they Marvel, will interact. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, obviously, you know, when Miss Marvel was introduced, that was great, you know, because it was like, okay, we get to see her. Should we see? We see her with Captain Marvel. We see her with Spider-Man and stuff like that. We see her with Miles Morales. We see her with other characters, even the Avengers as well, too. The thing is, though, is that do am I going to take it seriously when I pick up a Wolverine book and have uh, Wolverine takes on Sabretooth featuring Safe Space? That's not a good thing. I shouldn't be laughing. That's the problem. Like, like that's the thing is that, like, you're right. You're 100% right. It's like when it just doesn't have the intended message in general and you're just kind of like w why like that's where it's kind of like what was your purpose for this i understand that it's trying to be as direct as possible but still it's like no like you could have gone any other direction i don't think that people your your loyal audience will not hate it if it's done right your loyal audience will actually sympathize with it and make it advertisable to other people I do that all the time. Whenever someone comes up to me and says like, oh, well, you know what? I'm trying to look for a character that I can relate to. But so far, it kind of seems like all of the Marvel superheroes are misogynistic or, you know, I can't necessarily relate to someone because they're not necessarily my ethnicity or so on and so forth. I reach out and I say, you know what? You can totally find a character that you might be interested in simply by reading this character or this character story or this story arc. And there is stuff out there for everyone. The fact that this is really straightforward uh, sorry, I moved my mic. Um, but the fact that this is really straightforward and it just kind of has like an offensive, insulting tone to it that it's so direct, it just, I don't feel like it helps out. 
It, it does. It, I'm sorry. It no, just doesn't help out. It now. It doesn't. And uh huh. Go ahead. No, no, go, go, go. No, because I'm going to transition to the next no, topic. No, I was just. Okay, well, okay. You want? You want? For me, my closing, my closing argument in this is just like, just make characters that you guys feel like are going to have a good impact in the universe of Marvel comics. But then also, I get it. You want to appeal to every single person, but sometimes. You can't just throw it in there. You have to take your time. You have to look, do research and stuff like that, and you know, just do it in a smarter way. Exactly. Than just putting it out there and hoping it sticks. Exactly. Exactly. That's not going to work, especially in comic books. Oh, it doesn't work out that way. Because just, people will you remember. Throw something in the wall and just hope it does. Because mm -hmm. yeah. people will remember. People will remember and look back yeah. on it and look at it as a failed project if it is, almost insulting to a way. And going on with that tone, we can even approach that with the same mentality when it comes to sexuality and the nerd culture, uh, integrating that into nerd culture, whether comic books or video games and our TV shows. I pretty much have three different examples laid out. One that is done very poorly, one that's done kind of like questionable, but it's like, it's not hurting one, but it's like kind of questionable. And then one that's kind of like, okay, I can see why you implemented it this way. There's really no need to like for people to be offended. Do you want to go from positive yeah. to negative, or do you want to go from negative to positive? Let's go from negative to positive. Okay, so the negative one, and this has always been stuck on my mind because I feel it's a very disrespectful way to approach this, especially to the community, mm -hmm. is Iceman coming out because Kitty Prime went through him and revealed his secret, that he is gay. Yeah. That is... That was... Right out of left field, honestly. When, <clears throat> excuse me, when I was, I remember I was at a comic book store. I was at the comic book store, and then that specific issue, it was issue, oh, I forgot. It was uh, in All New X-Men, that's right. Mm -hmm. It was in the issue of All New X-Men where, for some reason, everyone was trying to get stuff. They're trying to buy, trying to get a copy of, but we already sold out. And someone told me right then and there, when they called me and they go, you guys have the issue where Iceman comes out as gay? And I'm like, what? And they go, yeah, do you have the issue where Iceman comes out as gay? I'm like, well, when did this happen? <laughs> I go, yeah. And they said, well, what happened in the new issue of so-and-so? And I'm like, okay, no, we don't. I'm sorry. And I looked it up, and it was because of what you just said was Kitty Pride went through uh, Iceman. And this was young Iceman. This they were back in time. They went back in time, yeah. So, little yeah, little thing for our listeners is that in in this and this is comic book logic, you know, that uh, <laughs> Beast Beast was disappointed of how the first class came to be. Uh, Cyclops was part, was with the Brotherhood of X Men. I mean, the Brotherhood of Mutants with Magneto uh, and stuff. Jean was dead. Iceman was kind of just doing his own thing. So he decided to go back in time. Bring the first class into modern time to show them how they turned out today. And, and uh, for some reason, they stick the first class stuck around in present time for a little bit. And basically, Kitty Pride went through young Iceman, and Ice, young Iceman revealed to be uh, gay. And I was like, thinking in my head, well, isn't that kind of insulting? Mm -hmm. In a way where you have another character telling this character their sexual orientation. 
and that's it. And, and forcing them and telling them, no, you are gay. And I'm like, really? Yeah. And people liked it, though. People liked it. They and like, I, we, I thought I'm, the general consensus was that it was disrespectful. It was. No, no, it was, it was first, it was first people liked it, but then when it was kind of, again, brought in, you know, when you think about it, it is insulting. And they did, yeah, they did say, so that's why they, they kind of got rid of the first class. <clears throat> they got rid of the first class, but it still brought in kind of, I still have people within that community come in and get Iceman books as well, too. But that's because the, of what it turned out. Yeah, that's the community in yeah. general. They freaking bought yeah. the Batman issue that had the bat penis because that's like a one thing that's never going to happen in the comic books again. Yeah. Any misprint, anything yeah. apparent like that is always going to be – the community is always going to buy into it. So that's 100% fine. Yeah. Like, you know, that's understandable. Yeah. But it's like the way that they outed Iceman is mm-hmm. – some. it's just insulting. And even, like, I, I had to read it several times to try to figure out if it was written in a way that wasn't. But the literal panels read out as, you're gay. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. How do you know? Because I went through you and I read your mind. Oh, yeah, I guess I'm gay. What the, what, why? Can't yeah, let... mind you, too. There wasn't anything leading up to that. No. There wasn't, no, there wasn't like Bobby was being friendly with another X-Men or another male character in the comic book series and kind of leads you to like, oh, is this Bobby gay? Or is he? And then like having it confirmed in that issue where it's like, oh, it's confirmed he is. That's mm. cool. No, it was just like one, it was just basically they were just running Done. through it and then yeah. just left, out of left field, no, he's yeah. gay. Yeah, that was very poor judgment. I think, not that, not that I think I know that it was very poor judgment. There, there should not be a reason no. as to why, you know, writers should think that that's okay. There is a proper way of doing it. It all has to lead with, mm-hmm. you know, understanding that certain people can pick up on certain clues, developing from certain yeah. uh, certain characters that we've read or that we play as. And honestly, if you're going to basically make an existing character have a different sexual orientation than what we believe to be, there needs to be a right way of doing it. I would have had no issue if Iceman was gay. If not, 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 not to say that if he was because there were clues that hinted at it, you know, back in the eighties when he came out, no, none of that. If they would have done it in structurally correct, structured correctly with respect to the character Mm -hmm. and to the community. Because there is a way of doing that, which is going to lead me yeah. to the neutral parts of it, the neutral example, which is mm-hmm. SpongeBob coming out as gay over June. Yes. Did you hear about that? I did, actually. Okay. That part, to me, is kind of like one of those two options where it's like, sure, because it doesn't hurt anyone, but why? Because it just feels like it's not necessary, especially when Stephen Helberg came out and said you know before passing that he intended spongebob to be a biological educational show and if we're going to look at it through that fact spongebob is a sponge which is asexual they reproduce on their own so why assign a sexual orientation to a character that never really showed signs of exhibiting that you know yeah it's like if someone told me it's like if someone told me Kinky Winky from Total Tubbies was gay. 
we don't really need to know that he's gay. He had a purse. Yeah. But it's like, you know. It's also a like, kid's show meant for really five-year-olds. Yeah, it's like, I don't really care. Yeah. As a kid, you don't care about all that stuff. You just want to watch these characters get into crazy antics, go and do something funny. You know, it didn't really matter who they're, who they liked, who they, who or who they were interested in, because they hardly did that. They did that in SpongeBob in the beginning with Sandy. I get it, but it was more. But then they wrote it off more as it's a, it's more of a friendship, honestly. Yeah, exactly. Like, you, you tell he had he had some sort of affection for her, but it was but then later on it was just became friendship because that became more natural. Let me. Let me for let those me, characters. Yeah, here's the thing that kind of ticked me, as kind of like a, a thing. Oh, sorry about that. A thing that was just kind of like, they're really not putting much thought into this. There were comments on the Twitter on a on a on a Twitter post that had uh, SpongeBob in the pride colors, that essentially mm-hmm. said, "Oh well, SpongeBob cross dresses, so that should be a big enough hint for you that he is gay, right?" Okay, I'm sorry, but when mm-hmm. is a simple action like that representative of an entire community? If anything, I can't speak yeah. for them. I'm not going to speak for them. I shouldn't speak for them because no. I'm not a part of that community. No, but that's very – I would think at least that that is insulting in a way to say that, you know, if you cross-dress, you're automatically labeled as gay. Not okay. That's it, basically it's bas- that's basically a cheap answer. It is honestly. a cheap answer. And if we're going to drag back this into the whole yeah. like, oh, well, he is a sponge, so he's asexual, there's literally an episode where SpongeBob breaks his own ass and then, in you know – locks himself up at home and says, oh, well, what are you going to do for food? Oh, I'm just going to breathe. Uh, I'm just going to filter feed. So so we're going to use science now? So, 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 but also SpongeBob has parents, male and female. Uh-huh. He also has two parents. So how do you explain that? Okay. Like, if you're going to use that, that's the thing. Like, oh, yeah. That, that, exactly. Which brings me <laughs> to this point. No, no, no. Yeah, you're 100% right. You are 100% right. He does have parents, so that means that technically he isn't asexual. But here's the thing. Mm-hmm. This is why I say that it's a neutral example. Because at the end of the day, yeah. it doesn't affect you, and it won't affect me. You know? Mm-hmm. SpongeBob has had sure. multiple seasons. I think it's at, like, season 13 at this point. And never once has he had, you know, never once was there an episode where he, like, essentially goes out on a date and solidifies the fact that he's gay or anything like that, at least not in the most recent ones that I've seen. Um, yeah. There's never been anything like that. So at the end of the day, for me, when I still turn on SpongeBob, I'm not going to be affected by the fact that he came out. It's a thing that happened. If people mm-hmm. want to jump on board with it, great, cool. That's yeah. That's something that you can be with. And at the end of the day... I'm still going to watch it. I am still going to see SpongeBob as SpongeBob. Yeah. I'm still going to laugh at his antics. Yeah. I grew up with him as a kid. It doesn't affect me. Does it affect you? No. Exactly. So it's a neutral example there. You did get me. You are 100% right, though. How do you explain his parents? I don't know. It's a cartoon at the end of the day, you know? It is a cartoon. So, yeah. So, I mean, that's why it's a neutral example. Now, moving on to one that is uh, recently just came out. I think it just came out. The news came out today. Um, that's more of like a positive way of kind of exhibiting this sort of coming out um, example. And yeah. granted, you know, we are talking about, you know, one sexual orientation, but there are multiple, multiple, multiple examples that we can talk about, which would make this podcast like three to four hours long. But we're sticking to these yes. uh, examples that are a little more recent, and a little more relevant. Um, more recently, IGN reported that Tony, 
let me see, I want to get this right. Tony Cordova, was it? Let me see. Uh, Torn, Tony, 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 where are you? Tony Cervone. Tony Cervone. Um, okay. He is the, uh, I think, the writer and creator of uh, Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. Uh, he recently, oh, okay. yeah, he recently posted a photo of Velma and uh, Hot Dog Water Marcy uh, in with pride colors in the back, and he essentially said, "Yeah, um, Velma is confirmed to be lesbian," and people were having a shitstorm for it, <laughs> essentially saying that Velma had no reason to essentially be labeled as lesbian because in Mystery Incorporated she was dating Shaggy, and you know she had a boyfriend in the second Scooby Doo movie. And, you know, like, there's no reason for it. Like, ah, like, why, why is she lesbian? This makes no sense. Okay, I'm going to tell you this. I'll say this right now. I grew up on Scooby-Doo since I was a kid. Yes. I grew up with the original uh, Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? I watched the iteration after that one, the second season. I grew up with the Scrappy-Doo one. I kind of watched when they were kids. Um, then I jumped into the movies and all the different little short films that they had. Um, What's New Scooby-Doo? The series after those. And then I really binged into Mystery Incorporated. So I kind of have like an understanding. I will say I have a little, I don't want to, you know, brag, but it's like I understand the whole Scooby-Doo idea of what's going on there. Yeah. Right yeah. now, and, and right now I'll say this. I have no problem with Velma being lesbian. I have absolutely no problem. And the only reason I don't have a problem with Velma being lesbian is because it's perfectly okay. The yeah. what's uh, the Scooby Doo Where Are You uh, show, the one that was created in like the sixties seventies, that yeah. one yeah. had no kind of show of where Velma was gonna go, and neither did the iterations afterwards. You know there were hints that maybe she did like Shaggy and so on and so forth, but it wasn't never really solidified. If you've ever seen yeah. Mystery Incorporated, I'm going to tell you right now. If you have not seen Mystery Incorporated, I really recommend you watching Mystery Incorporated because it really brings back things from the old old series and kind of reconfirms them as like being canon and it gives all the characters great personality and great characteristics it gives them their own persona mystery incorporated excuse me velma dates shaggy for a bit then she dumps shaggy because shaggy loves his dog more and so she spends a yes. good couple more episodes too you've seen mystery incorporated right yeah you've seen the whole thing not the whole thing. Okay. I've never seen parts of it. Yeah, but yeah, I've been watching. Uh, I think I think I was watching it because Thelma and Shaggy were dating. Yeah. And at the time, I never saw that as a element because I always figured you know they were they they did and it didn't work and stuff like that. Yeah. Because I've always known that, but so, it was cool to see it on 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 TV. So I did ch ch uh, you know tune in once in a while. Yeah. It was like, oh, okay, because it gave them personality, right? Now, here's the thing. Yeah. If you watch the rest of the series, Velma starts to accept the fact that Shaggy's going to be Shaggy and Scooby's going to be Scooby and they're going to be like best bros for life, okay. But then she starts bringing in this other character that was a villain, quote-unquote a villain, Marcy Hot, uh, Hot Dog Water. Brings her in and she starts befriending her, but there are hints mm -hmm. at it, very, very, very subtle hints that kind of hint that hot dog water wishes that there was a little bit more to the friendship that they had and velma has that same kind of feelings yeah. but they never really connect to one another yeah. so that's why i don't have yeah. a problem with tony coming out and saying that velma is lesbian because yeah 
there was no like it's 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 one it's a character that never really had a sexual orientation in her decades of existence and we're talking about mystery incorporated here the one that came out and pretty much solidified and made certain things in this universe canon there's no reason to get offended by it and if you're saying oh well you know what the velma that i grew up with she never had a sexual orientation but she dated shaggy and this doesn't make sense okay i'm gonna say right now i know several people that have dated and have not felt comfortable dating who they are dating. Yes. And then they come yeah. out, and it's tough for them. This is what happens. Mm-hmm. This is a perfect example. Yeah. That's the reason why I believe yeah. it's okay. You know? Mm-hmm. Velma dated Shaggy. She didn't feel comfortable. Yeah. And she finally found, you know, commitment with someone else. There's nothing wrong yeah. with that. Yeah. Um, the I art... think... Yeah, sorry, go I... on. Oh, sorry. Yeah, to kind of go off what you said... I think that it's that's perfectly fine for Velma to be, you know, lesbian, uh, because it honestly yes, it does make sense because throughout all of her incarnations of her over the years in different variations of the cartoons, she never had a steady long relationship with a certain character. She never did because it's all it, it would always be either a one-off kind of relationship and you never see it again in the next episode. Or never gets mentioned again and stuff because she's always just being Velma, just focusing on solving the mystery. So I think it would be more. I think that if to be uh, to say that to give a, if you had to give a reason why to be angrily to be mad that Velma is now confirmed to be a lesbian is that well you would only you would only have to be mad if she did have an ongoing relationship with a certain character uh-huh. over the years of her being around. But the thing is, she never did. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and that's how you said it. You said it before. It's like, that's how it happens with certain people that are in the closet. They don't know how their feelings are. So they date what they think is normal of the opposite sex, and it doesn't feel right, and it doesn't work out. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. You know, the relationships never never last. Because yeah. that, person, that person is not truly being who they are around that person and to be perfectly honest like when i look at this and necessarily think to myself like well is this going to affect her character dude velma is still going to be velma regardless if she's heterosexual or lesbian like she is still gonna be the smart person in mystery incorporated i highly Mm -hmm. highly encourage people if you ever loved any iteration of scooby-doo to give mystery incorporated a try it is on netflix at the time of recording just dive into it it is a perfect perfect you know for me perfect but i for for others it's a great um uh series for scooby-doo i think that it did a fantastic job in trying to incorporate a lot of different things from the past and try to bring them forward and make it canon and to explain how certain things work out and it does a fantastic job at you know giving characters their own persona you know we always joke, oh, well, Shaggy's a stoner and Fred's just the playboy jock and Daphne's the pretty girl. They have so much more personality in Mystery Incorporated. And as a massive fan of Scooby-Doo, I will tell you right now that that is well done and well-deserved for that entire crew. I grew up on, like I said, I grew up on Scooby-Doo. I was born in 93, but my parents showed me Scooby-Doo because my dad grew up on that. I freaking loved the heck out of it. Um, and I will say this, as a fan of, a massive fan of Scooby-Doo, I you know, have never seen the live action movies. So I can't really speak for the next part, which is basically James Gunn essentially saying that 
he intended to make Velma a lesbian in the movies, but then was repressed by the studio and gave her a boyfriend in the second one. I can't really speak for that because I haven't seen the live action movies, and I know people are going to be like, oh, but the live action movies are so great. Look, I just never was no, interested okay. in them. <laughs> I, will, I will mention something about the live action movies. So, yeah, in the first live action movie, you know, um, Brett and Daphne are together, obviously, in the beginning, but then they have this thing where this time span where the Mystery Incorporated has broken up and Daphne and uh, and Fred are no longer together and stuff like that. Mm. But there are certain scenes that don't really... They have Fred and, Fred and Velma together because, you know, uh, they, they do make fun of the whole split up that's always Velma by herself and it's always Fred and Daphne. Which is perfectly normal because, so, yeah, it's perfectly yeah. normal. So, so they... So they switch it up because the, the characters make it known that, that that always happens. So they switch it up and Velma and Fred are now together walking. And, you know, uh, Velma does say that, Fred, you know, you would never look at a girl like me because I'm not like how Daphne is. Uh -huh. And then, you know, he, and then Fred says, don't worry, you know, you know, don't talk to yourself like that. He goes like, smart chicks like me turn me on too. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. They never, they never really. They but she never still really gave like a little. I remember that part because she still like, looks at him like, yeah. okay, like freak, yeah. whatever. Yeah. I mean, but, at the end of so, the day, yeah, go on. It doesn't, yeah. So, so like, you know, she never showed. She, and then she did have an interest, a love interest in the first movie, but that was ended up being because, you know, the guy was like a demon dog, that demon thing or whatever. Like uh -huh. that. And, uh, Oh yeah, and then like at the end they did get together. But then again, again, it, it was never mentioned in the second movie because in the second movie they wanted her to have an exact love interest, which was played by AKA Seth Green's character. Mm -hmm. You know? And he played the same nerdy type of person too. And then again, you know, it was just like I don't know, it was just uh washed away at the end at, at, again, you know, I guess. Because it didn't feel with seeing Velma it, it, it always felt forced yeah. when it came to Velma's love interest that you didn't really care what happened with Velma. Velma was always interested in solving story. the mysteries. Velma was the mystery Vel girl. Vel Velma's true love was finding the truth. Exactly. <laughs> that's what her love was. Renee, you literally <laughs> just said it perfectly. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. 100% on that one. That is yeah. a good way to end yeah. it. I do want to <laughs> mention the whole, um, what is it? What was the last topic? Why am I forgetting this? I am making this podcast happen, and I still cannot remember the order in which it is. Ethnicity and culture in nerd culture. I, I, I feel like this one is more of a quick in and out kind of thing, simply because yeah. when we talk about ethnicity and culture, we've already spoken about this in our, other, in our, in our podcast that um, you host. But... Um, you know, when it comes down to ethnicity and culture, there is a lot of talk that it isn't highly representative within comic books or within video games and stuff like that. I, I will completely agree, yes. You think that it isn't represented uh, as much? No, 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 that, that is, I know, well, yes and no. Because if you, if you look at all of these well-known superheroes, if you name, like, Name five of your favorite superheroes, nine times out of ten, it's going to be mostly white. Because, again, these characters are, you know, been around for so long, though, mm. that's the thing. And 
I think that's the problem is that these characters just get more spotlight because they have been they're longer well known. I mean, more I, recently, you know, has it people, started to become more diverse? People, Yes, more more recently it has become more diverse. Even though there there has been diverse characters in the past, it's just that in the comic book industry, that you know Captain America, Iron Man, uh, Thor, and Hulk have gotten the bigger spotlight because those characters people just ended up liking more. Um, Black Panther has always been around. Falcon has always been around and stuff like that. Uh, Luke Cage has always been around. It's just those characters didn't really get a whole lot of traction as the bigger characters have. Let me, let me say this. I think that the reason why that argument exists that it doesn't become as apparent and there is a bigger need for you know more diverse characters is because, mm -hmm. no disrespect, but the casual audience always names their superheroes to be white. You go yeah. up to a random person who doesn't pick up a comic book as often, who just watches the Marvel Cinematic Universe and probably just watched the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight series, and you ask him, who is your favorite yep. superhero? <laughs> you're going to be 100% right. Nine out of ten times, you're going to have someone say, ah, it's Spider-Man. Ah, it's Batman. Ah, it's yeah. Hulk. Ah, it's Iron Man. Mm -hmm. they all, they're all white, right? Yeah. But then when you go up to someone yeah. like us, again, not to be yeah. egotistic or anything, you know, this is just an example. <laughs> yeah. But, like, when you come up to yeah. us and you ask them, like, oh, well, who have been your most recent favorite superheroes? Easily, easily can tell you right now, Sam Alexander Nova. We can also have Miles Morales, Spider-Man, who has been well, massive, yeah. massive yeah. right now with the whole uh, Into the Spider-Verse movie and him receiving his own standalone game. Uh, you have so, Miss Marvel. He, yeah. No, um, to talk about Miles Morales really quick, he originally, in the comics, now I'm telling you in the comics, he actually had the most awkward introduction of a character like that, where Peter Parker died and he just was thrown in <coughs> and we never ever heard of what happened or how he got his powers right away or who this character is how he got introduced and stuff like that there was no lead up to it when Brian Michael Bendis wrote it he kind of threw him in which was mm. very awkward and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse threw all that out and did its own way and it did it so much better where they didn't even dwell on his um, ethnicity at all he was basically just treated as a normal person just a normal kid that just didn't want to go to high school at a, at a high-end high school wanted to live a normal life and then one day he goes with his uncle and gets bitten by a radioactive spider and, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. and just that was such a good way to introduce him and how to bring him into the spider-man universe that it was just like yes thank you so much for that we're not, it, and like they even said it in the, you know, in the movie, the whole trademark was that anyone can wear the mask, uh -huh. you know, and it didn't, it didn't, it didn't dwell on, on what agnosticity, it just said basically you gotta, you could wear the mask if you had the power, uh -huh. like that, and that's what I think did what, what was right of how Miles Morales, Miles Morales was introduced to everyone in pop culture now. Into because of Into the Spider Verse, I will say but this. Because on a, of Into the Spider Verse. Yeah, I will say this as away from Into the, the Spider Verse because I, I knew about Miles Morales way before Into the Spider Verse. You and I both knew about him. Yes. Yeah. I will say that mm -hmm. Miles Morales. If people take the time to legitimately look, and, and Miles Morales is just one example. Like I said, there are multiple examples out there of you know people with different backgrounds. Again, 
mine is Sam Alexander Nova. I really yeah. appreciated his creation and his reasoning to exist in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, especially the connections that he had with Richard Ryder Nova. If you have not mm-hmm. read it, I would really recommend looking into it because it is done really well. I don't think it's Bendis that wrote it. I forget who it was. Um, but I think it may have been Rick... Rick Remender or on a, well, I'll, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Well, 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 yeah, but look him up. It's Sam Alexander Nova. Really well done. Yeah, I know that it was done by a really big, uh, big writer as well. Um, but when we look at Miles Morales, you know, yeah, you are right. They just threw him into the universe and they kind of just left him there. But his integration into the Marvel sin- or into the Marvel universe is probably one of the best I've ever seen. And the only reason I say that is because he was brought in as a person, not as a character. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean yeah. that he was sympathized with other characters several different times for losing what he had. Into the Spider-Verse redef- uh, doesn't redefine it. It reestablished that again. Because that conversation that uh, he has with Peter Parker, where he's like, yeah, I lost. Who did he lose? In the movie, he says that he lost someone. Or am I thinking in the comic yeah. books? In the comic books... Because in the in movie the he the no 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 in the he movie he never the, the movie the Peter Parker didn't exist in that one, right? No, he did. Okay. Uh, in the movie, but it was like a different type of Peter Parker. Well. So, in the comic, oh, it is in the comic books. Okay, I remember this because in the comic books, they have a sit down. Peter Parker from the standard Marvel universe and Miles Morales from the alternate universe, they have a sit down and they say, "I lost someone important too in my life, which was you." And I'm like, oh. And that gave him the characteristics of a normal human being. So there's loss and there's tragedy and there's reason for his existence there. And that's really great because now you can sympathize with him and not just see him as a different character because of, you know, his ethnicity and background. You can now sympathize with him just like any other character that exists in the Marvel Universe. Peter Parker with his social, you know, with his social uh, issues. Um, Tony Stark with his alcoholism and, you know, Carol Danvers is the same way. They all have their issues now. Miles Morales also has his issues. That made him be someone we can sympathize with and possibly relate to on a different level as well. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so Nova Nova was created by Jeff Loeb. I feel like I've known him. I don't know. He, he wrote, he wrote um, Batman Hush. So. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Probably why it was done so well. Um, That's why, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I I can see where you mean where ethnicity and culture is a little bit lacking in our in our in our um in our community. It, it is always important yeah. to just continue to expand on it constantly. Introduction of new characters. Yeah. Um But the thing is though is that now there are characters getting more of a spotlight because of either modern day pop culture and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Miss Marvel is one of the most liked character within a young demographic along with Nova and Miles Morales and stuff. Um, Black Panther is now a more major character in the Marvel Universe now. And, and even uh, all the, you know, and Captain Marvel is now a well-known character because of the movie and stuff like that. It's, yeah. That is getting, yeah. Miss Marvel, no, Captain fashion. Marvel. Not Miss Marvel. Yeah, Captain. No, Cap- Captain Marvel, yeah. Captain Marvel in the movies and she still yeah. claims Captain Marvel in the comic books, but she passed on the title of Miss Marvel to a Pakistani, what was it? Teenager. Teenager. Pakistani teenager. Yeah. She's, I think she's just Pakistani. Yeah. Yeah. It's difficult to say 
how exactly to integrate all this because again we can't necessarily speak out for everyone you know but i think yeah, that it's important yeah i think it is important you know just to wrap this all up because we are going to hit the minute and 20 mark Ooh. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah i know we've been talking for a while it's great i mean I, whenever we're on dude we have the problem with with your podcast as well we always just talk and talk and yeah. we're like oh shoot we got to keep track of the time it's all good <laughs> but just to wrap it up it all comes down to how the implementation is in is you know how the implementation is done when it comes to these sorts of things be it mental illnesses sexuality gender usage um you know uh, uh culture and ethnicity all these different things i think that when we take a look at our you know at the nerd culture that we belong to it's the implementation that's all that's really yeah. important into this the awareness of it um we we talked about it you know sometimes the implementation is done so poor that it just becomes a hot issue for someone to come in and basically, you know, be toxic about it. Oh, we'll see. Why did you have yeah. to do this if it doesn't end up well anyways? There's no need to have a female Thor and all this other stuff when you're just going to do this whole thing with that. There's always that kind of toxicity. And that toxicity doesn't belong in the community. Oh, straight up. You know, it's important to have different backgrounds in these sorts of things because this is what makes these things apparent. I think today one of the things that I personally learned was that, you know, the superheroes that we know and love share mental illnesses that I didn't even know were there. That was a big, you know, that was a big hit to me. Um, you know, so it's important to have this sort of stuff in there. It's important to bring up the awareness. Do you have any final thoughts, Renee? Definitely. No, you said it perfectly, man. I said it perfectly. Don't say I said it perfectly because then someone's going to freaking <laughs> quote me on that and be like, Brian, no, this, you, is the, this is the perfect quote. Basically... <laughs> You basically said everything that I do. Yeah. All right. Great, great episode. Um, Renee, would you like to plug anything in particular? <laughs> uh, just my <laughs> podcast that I do with our with our host here, Brian, uh, that we do is Keeping Up With The Nerds. You guys can find us on Instagram. You can find us on uh, Spotify, YouTube, Podbean, basically. So, but I'm sure all the links will be down and below. Brian will be so helpful to that. You so kind, Brian. Oh, I will. Trust me. Oh, I will. I'm producing. I'm <laughs> helping guys, produce it. So it's, I got to do all that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and if you guys want to follow me personally, just follow me on Instagram at Renee Renee, I will say that your plugins have been up to par now my man like you've gotten so much better it's just great just great man we've, we're getting comfortable in front of the mic that's exactly what i want to see uh so just to wrap this up listeners all the links to keeping up with the nerds will be in the description below again this is renee's podcast i go in and co-host as well and help produce the show um so if you guys are interested in following that please check out the description below if you're watching or listening to this on youtube if you're on spotify feel free to check the description the links will be there as well all the socials the youtube the Podbean, the spotify everything will be in that description as well if you're listening to this episode on Spotify, jump on over to my uh, YouTube channel, Turtlag562. I post up the podcast every Friday at 12. If you're listening to the YouTube one or portion of it, jump on over to the Spotify. The link's in the description below. Please follow. Please subscribe. Give me the support. I love it. Same thing with Renee. Follow Keeping Up With The Nerds. You know, Renee's project. We're, we're getting this done, guys. We're getting this done. And follow Renee on his socials as well. Nice dude. Trust me. Won't regret it. 
other than that, Renee, thank you once again. Cheers one last time. Thank you for this episode. Cheers, Cheers my friend. Cheers. And with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of Drinking Matters. My name is Brian. This was Renee. Thank you guys for listening. Take care. <laughs>